Welcome back to MasterCast, and actually we're going to open this up as a MasterCast chat since in light of the new news that's reached our, uh, well, social media ears, we'll call it, our eyes rather. We're not going to take too much of your time with intros and so forth, but we do have one of our fellow agents that we interviewed, well, as he said, two years and a month ago today, Mike Quackenbush. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me back on, guys. It's a very exciting day to be talking about Mask. It is. And on the other line, my co-host, like always, Jason. Hello there. And I know this is a family-friendly show, but holy yeah, All the beeps, yeah. Yeah, that's my sensor. I'm censoring myself (laughs) as to why we're here tonight. So uh, very exciting time and and glad Mike is back on with us. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. And Boy, there's a lot of news. I mean, the the news that we're all aware of, of course, right? I guess we shouldn't bury the lead. But I've also got some other news as it relates to Mask that I'm eager to share uh, with you guys on today's podcast. Very nice. Yes, we we, we like lots and lots of news. That's right. uh, In the Mask world. We need to get him on some uh, (laughs) liners or something for ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's got the wrestling, you know, background. So you've got to you've got to project, man. You got to you got to know when to turn it on, guys. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so yes, we're obviously we're here because we had this huge announcement of a mask film franchise is what the the headline was over on Hollywood Reporter, and we're getting uh, F. Gary Gray as the director who just recently has done the Fate of the Furious, which is what like the twelfth installment, <laughs> uh, whatever in the Fast and the Furious franchise. I think it's like number eight. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, it was uh, straight out of Compton. Uh, he's got a couple films that I really love, like the, uh, well, The Negotiator. I remember watching that in, in the theaters. That was an awesome movie. Yeah, he did and a great he, heist film, too, The Italian yeah, Job. Yeah, yeah the, the Italian Job reboot. That's what I was trying to come up with, with all those little mini Coopers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, that's, I'm going to have to go watch that now and <laughs> in hopes, you know, just to see... Uh, how his style and everything was and how it might translate into the, into the mask world. But that's the big one. I mean, you know why we were just here back in January, almost having a, uh, a funeral for, uh, you know, Hasbro's uh, film universe and all of this, you know, combination of uh, different franchises and everything. And the story was out that you know, mask is dead and the, uh, Rom is dead and we're getting, they're putting all their eggs in Micronauts basket. And here we are out of the blue. We get this announcement that the the franchise is coming. Let me, let me throw it over to Mike since we got him on as a guest and what's going through your head as, as you're seeing this. Cause I, I was in disbelief and then, you know, we, this has been years and years of hoping and, speculating and, and stuff like this. So I'm like clicking over to other sites. Okay. It's on Hollywood reporter. It's on deadline. It's on you know, all the film websites. This has got to be legit. So right. I, I was freaking admit, out. I, I was a little stunned. Um, as I think I was remarking uh, to you, Jason, uh, 
you know, off the air during some communications that we had in the weeks and months here, uh, my feeling was that we really seen the last gasp for mask. Um, certainly we know that's true on the comic book side of things. IDW canceled mask with issue 10 and that goes back to last August. It was hitting newsstands. So there's been this long period of time with nothing new happening. And one of the only things relevant to mask that we heard was that writer's room uh, that included some yeah. really notable writers that were supposed to be working for this Hasbro shared universe on behalf of Paramount. The writer's room was disbanded. So all of these things combined, I think, contributed to everyone's sort of gloomy prospects. I think we were all in the right to think, man, this reflects negatively on our very favorite 80s property. Right. So I was stunned to see this news, and it just started blowing up in my Twitter feed. Everybody was CCing me, and I'm sure you guys felt the exact oh, yeah. same way. It mm -hmm. was everywhere all of a sudden that they're doing this movie. I have to admit, one... Uh, we're a long way from seeing the finished product, but when I saw that they got someone from the Fast and Furious franchise, I thought, this is one of the best possible bets for this thing to become real. Two of those movies, the seventh and the eighth, are among the 15 highest grossing films of all time. That's and that eighth insane. installment is directed by this same guy. Um, so I think they've attracted the exact right person to the project. Yeah, definitely in agreement there. What do you think, Wyatt? What was your reaction? I, I don't know where you heard it. I was getting pegged right and left, Facebook, Twitter. Hey, have you seen this? I'm sure you've seen this by now. And I was like, no, what's up? <laughs> and I was I texted you. and That's oh how I first learned of it, sadly. You know how locked in I am at my work. And now yeah. I've uh, even gotten more secluded. Facebook, yeah, right. It travels at the speed of not going. <laughs> uh, not even dial up can catch, catch up to it. So, uh, but anyway, no, I've, I've just been like bathing myself in whatever we've posted. I've gone through the websites and I'm flabbergasted just in disbelief, uh, just all in that array of emotion trying to figure out, well, one, what are they going to do with it? Are they going to, is there a script already sitting in their hand? Are they going to reach out to, some fans like they did a little bit with um with the comic book what i mean and that is you know they reached out to us to the fan mm -hmm. websites not to us and i'm not gonna right. punch them there but you know they they reached out to a few entities to get a little play but then they had that storyline that was pretty much what made the comic book series but i'm still wondering what they're going to do with it is there uh, like a lot of the comics, uh, the the comments rather were saying, is it going to be stuck in the 80s? Is it going to be a toy kind of kids rated? Is it going to be more adult? Uh, are we going to look at and see just an oversized Fast and the Furious? It's still up in the air what they're going to do yeah. with this. But yeah, I, I had to do, do like you. I had to make sure that this wasn't, you know, one of those websites you you know, go on. Uh, what is it snoops or whatever.com and figure out that no this is just a farce you know right right and I, we were talking essentially off air and i was messaging with mike a little bit too and he, he's got some you know interesting vantage points uh you know if you all will remember submitting uh, his own pitch to idw before the whole brandon easton thing was really announced about the, you know doing his own comic book series and 
Mike, you've, and I guess this ties into your news too, but the way that all played out with the comic book and, and now that it's uh, essentially done through 10 issues, it's gotten to the point now, well, where, where are they going to go? Are they, are they really going to follow or, or try to mimic what was in that comic book series? Have they already had something in the bag this whole time? And they're going to try to maybe use some elements from that and, and some from the, you know, the original series. Give us your insight, Mike, on, uh, on how you think that might play out. It's, it's early, but you know, sure. Well, I've definitely kept my finger to the pulse of everything on the comic book front because of how closely I was associated with that during its formative time. And thanks to Agents of Mask and the online mask community, I was able to garner enough social media attention that I got to pitch to IDW. I was one of about 10 or 12 writers that pitched for the mask series. And of course, we know they went with Brandon Easton. Mm. Uh, My pitch was not a reinvention of the property. The pitch that I had come up with was effectively what happens the very next day. We've seen this many episodes, right? There are 75 episodes of Mask, and that's it. That's the continuity. Um, What would episode 76 have been? What happens the very next day? And then where does that leave them years later? If we came back and revisited these guys somewhat updated, maybe not exactly 30 years later, but where are they in life? What, What are those guys like in today's world? given that they will have aged a bit, uh, and is there a need for mask? And that was something that I wanted to explore with my story. And of course, I held on to that pitch. So I watched the whole arc of it, much like you guys did, that Brandon had the task for Hasbro of trying to update, modernize, and somewhat reinvent mask. They wanted a little more um, diversity, and obviously some things needed to be updated. You could see where they took painstaking care to try and pay homage to the original, and yet it was undeniably new. A lot of changes had to be made to satisfy Hasbro. And ultimately, everything that came out had to be greenlit by Hasbro, or it did not go into the book. I think the reason for this is Hasbro was looking for a potential direction to take Mask in the future. However, and we all know this part of the story, by issue six, sales were low enough on Mask that it was ordered to be canceled, and it was wrapped up at 10. Brandon, when he was on my old podcast, said he'd written 12 issues of story. So that story had to be jammed into the last couple of issues. Some of the subplots were truncated. He had to rush to the finish line. My personal belief, and just my belief, that's all, just one dude's opinion. If Hasbro felt like this is the direction we're going to take that franchise, that comic book would still be in print regardless of what its sales figures were. If Hasbro were convinced that's what they wanted, it would be out there in the marketplace right now. But maybe it was because of low sales. Maybe it was because part of the fan base felt alienated by the fresh approach. Whatever. Mask died at issue number 10. Well, as it happens, I held on to that pitch like I mentioned. And I thought, Mm -hmm. as it happened to come around in my social media, guess what you were up to two years ago? I thought, hey, maybe it would be a good time now to revisit this. And I happened to open up a line of dialogue with one of the editors at IDW who took a fresh look at the pitch that I had prepared two years ago, the thing I was talking about the last time the three of us were together on a podcast. (laughs) And I happened to get a response about it this afternoon. So nice. the, the timing, of course, is exceptionally um, apropos, given there's a whole bunch of mask news this week after months and months of, man, it felt like nothing, didn't it, guys? Right. 
So uh, here's what I ended up hearing back today from the people at IDW. While they certainly appreciated my pitch and everything, they were quick to tell me that they are very far away from another mask book right now, and it would not work in the current climate. So what I took from this very brief response that I got from them is whatever they had been doing with masks, the 10 issues that we saw from Brandon Easton, this kind of reimagining of it is far removed from whatever it is that's coming up next. And who knows what that might be? Are we going to get a real glimpse into what the Paramount version of Mask is going to look like? If we do, it's going to IDW because they continue to hold the Mask license and they will for at least one more year. So if we're going to see anything leaking out before this movie hits screens potentially in 2020 or maybe as late as 2021, we'll probably see it first in the pages of an IDW comic. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was thinking about that too and how they might want to team up as they've done with uh you know other some other properties, obviously Transformers, G.I. Joe, they've all put out like uh not necessarily novelizations, but ad- adaptations is what I want to say of the movie or they they set up the movie in some form or fashion. I was thinking about that today too, that, that might actually be a a good possibility once they get the story laid down for the film. Mm -hmm. So I I like where you're going with that. And yeah, yeah, you know, it's still Brandon's uh, series. And we really haven't wrapped up our reviews on the, on the whole 10 issues, but uh, it still felt kind of crammed into that revolution world. You know, there was a lot of GI Joe in there. Uh, a little bit of Transformers, and they they kind of kept it tied into those that world that they had created to, to bring essentially bring masks back to comics. So I'm hoping that that might be one of the parts that kind of gets left behind, and they can just start fresh. And you know, Mask never had the origin story, at least not in the cartoon. You know, it was in the comics. So that would be fun to explore that, have a, a, a setup, a, a couple books or, you know, whatever to, uh, to set up the movie and really uh, get a good origin story. And then boom, we're right into the movie. We get the action that we know we all want. We get the cars and, you know, everything. I think that would be ideal uh, at this point. And obviously since the, the, they've announced the movie, hopefully it, it everything will go through, it gets done. That would be the least risk for IDW as well, you know, to, to put out a, a, a couple issues as a, as a setup for the movie. Mm-hmm. But um, man, yeah. I, I mean, that's, it, you've got a very interesting perspective as far as you're in the, in the comic book world. And it's, it's I don't know. I find it hard to, kind of mesh the two sometimes too with the film world because they do these crossovers and they do, you know, like I said, the adaptations and, and so forth. Um, it's, it's kind of hard to see, well, okay. So mass just, just fell on its face. It seems like in the comic book world, why would they want to do the film franchise? Well, maybe those two entities were, were separated from the beginning and they just haven't been, you know, revealed to us in that fashion that, okay, they were pushing for this certain type of movie and uh, let's throw this out to the comic book world and see what kind of sticks to the wall, so to speak. You know, does that make sense? Uh, 
I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, I want to pitch this out to you guys. I'd like to hear what your thoughts are about this. But my feeling is when they disbanded that writer's room that was supposed to put together this whole shared universe for Hasbro, right? the timing was, in, w- was really foreshadowed by what Warner Brothers is going through. They rushed through some world building and their DC extended universe has been considered a disappointment at the box office. Nothing more so than Justice League. I think you're starting to see the studios now back away from the idea of the shared universe. And had the DCEU been more successful, or we saw what Universal tried to do by bringing all their classic movie monsters back together. If you remember, they wanted to launch a dark (laughs) universe and it fizzled almost immediately. I think the failure of those movies at the box office are what precipitated the breakup of this writer's room. And I think we are more likely than ever to see a mask movie that is not tied to G.I. Joe, Transformers, or other Hasbro properties. What do you guys think? That'd be yeah. great. Um, <laughs> that's one of the things I got, like Jason, one of the things I got disappointed in was with uh, the comic books is they kept tying it back to transformers they kept tying it back to gi joe and other entities and that's what disappointed me throughout the whole thing i'm looking for and and i know we've had bill on here and he's you know you're thinking as a kid and that's probably what they're trying to do with this revolution is to tie it like a kid we intertwine as kids playing with you know the mask but you got the transformer but you got you know your lego set or something you're intertwining it but in the movie world in in that universe you almost want it exclusively whatever it is. So if it's mask, if it's GI Joe, they're a whole, they're two different worlds. They don't coexist. They don't mesh. There's no way that they're going to meet except on a bus station type of thing. That's it. So saying that I I'm, I'm hoping that they look at it from its own entity, take cues from Warner brothers and just, you know what? Let's leave it be. Uh, and like Jason said, do the origin story, you know, get that foundation. That's how we yeah. took our script. We did an origin story so that we could establish it and do, uh, we jokingly called it the Back to the Future trilogy for Mask. We mm-hmm. wanted to do a trilogy or at least a, a, a two-part movie, mm-hmm. you know, and and say, pull chocks, okay, Mask is on its own or, or what, what have you. Yeah, and see, that's what I was I was thinking with the with the comic books. You can add a lot more story ahead of time. Essentially, start with the action. You know, they always we, we had Sharon uh, Noble on here, remember? And she was giving us tips about writing novels and books. Right. And when you write, she's like, just throw the first two chapters out, and you start with you know whatever the the meat of the story is. Uh, a little bit sooner in the book and get people's attention. So that's why I'm like, just cut out those first two chapters of whatever origin story you have, put it in a comic. And then let's just get into, I, I would love instead of giving us, okay, this actor is going to be Matt tracker and this, and, and giving us little details like that. I would love to see Thunderhawk first. I want to see what Thunderhawk's going to look like in the movie and tease us with the, the vehicles uh, first and give us little hints of that. And if, you know, with the, um, uh, the, 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 the masks just to have, or, or, yeah, but as far as him being part of the, the fast and furious world, you know, those movies are all about the stunts, the cars, the, 
the vehicles, everything, those crazy stunts that they do, you know, give us a little hint of what we're going to see just by, okay, we've, we've got a, we've got a license with GM. Okay. So we know Thunderhawk's going to be a Camaro or something like that. Give us little, little tips like that to build, build the world, build the movie, and then add in the actors. Because if you know how it goes, it, it, you're not going to ever please everybody. But if you start with what we've been waiting to see on the big string, we haven't been waiting to see Aaron Eckhart as Matt Tracker, you know, or whoever. We've been wanting to see Thunderhawk take off up in the sky, you know, live action. That's what I want to see. So let's start there. Let's tease us there. Tease the fans there. Get them interested in in that. And, you know, Hasbro, like we've said time and time again on this show, they are a toy company. They want to make toys. So what is going to be the bread and butter of your toy line? It's going to be those vehicles. So, so tease us, give us some concept of the, uh, you know, of the vehicles they want in the movie, something like that. Go that direction first and then bring in the actors and producers and all that stuff that you want to do to tell, to let everybody know, okay, this, this is going to be our headliner here. This is going to be Matt. We're going to have several other actors portray these characters because I've already seen people, okay, who, which agents are going to be in there, you know, and I'm excited to know that as well, but gosh, I want to see those vehicles, man. That's that's what I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be purchasing that that ticket to the IMAX show to see Thunderhawk in 3D taking off from wherever, you know. Anyway, that's that's my that's my hope. <laughs> I'm not pinning it on actors. And again, I, I agree with you, Mike. I I think this guy is is probably very very good, if not the the best person to start a mask franchise in, in film because he's, he's, he's got that fate of the furious under his belt. Like you said, it did gangbusters at the box office all around the world. So mask, it's still, it's still an international franchise. And a lot of people don't understand that or realize that how many fans are still out there across the world. And if he can put into what he put into with the fate of the furious and, and we can make this a global international box office movie, gosh, you know, we, we could see several sequels and that, that just, that would blow my mind, but here we are. We're, <laughs> we just got the announcement. So, well, you know, people it's are hard, always surprised to hear about how well the Fast and the Furious franchise has done at the global box office. And it is one of the few movie franchises that does more business in Asia than it does in the United States. Right. So when we hear that, you know, all these superhero movies or the Harry Potter franchise are at the top of those kinds of lists, we're not surprised. But we often are surprised to see how well the Fast and the Furious does. That's because that franchise on a global level does better than, as hard as it is to believe, like the X-Men. The Fast and the Furious is a massive franchise. And when you distill a lot of episodes of the mass cartoon series to their core, they are heists. They're capers. That's exactly what Venom used to do, right? They're stealing a painting. They're stealing gold from Fort Knox. They're stealing a panda bear. Whatever it is that they're doing, 
It's a heist film at its core. And you've got a guy who's made an outstanding caper film in the Italian job and knows how to do fast-paced action with vehicles. I think we're in a really good position right now, given that all we know is the director. We don't know who's writing it. There's not a talk about it being casted yet. None of that. But today, it feels like a very good day to be a Mask fan. Very good. <laughs> I think it's... we need to figure out how to submit our script to him. Just <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I've, I, I'm, I'm, wait, I'm making a, uh, I'm, I'm making a plea to you, Wyatt, or a, uh, I'm not going to say promise because I, I don't know if I've got the time, but I want to get our script in some kind of novelization form and throw out there before the movie hits the theater, just so people know kind of where we were with it. Uh, I, it's, I've been dying to do it. And I just haven't taken the time to, to convert it because it, movie scripts are, they're really not readable. <laughs> to the normal person. But anyway, I want to put the whole story of our script together. That's that's one thing I want to do. And this has just obviously energized me to get that done. But I, let me throw this out to you. Go ahead. You know, at least maybe get it into his hands because it looks like he's looking for a writer. Just saying, we got something ready to go. <laughs> we worked at this, what, six years ago now? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a labor of love. And I've, I've kind of left it with that. And, you know, I don't know, Mike, do you have any inputs, side doors that we can use? Boy, <laughs> not when it comes to film. I wish that I did. Um, you know, I think be, <laughs> I'd be sliding in my own pitch. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, back when I was working on that, I think one of the most fun things for me was I got to work with two very different artists on redesigning what some of the vehicles might look like being updated. We specifically spent a lot of time on both hurricane and vampire, um, okay. which were two of my favorites. So, uh, you know, that's very, very exciting. And, you know, that speaks to one of the coolest things about this is the fact that if this movie does make it to the screen and a lot can happen, right? Movie projects are canceled. Most famously yeah. the green lantern sequel with Ryan Reynolds, they'd even announced the date it was coming. And there was a version of the poster ready to be shipped to theaters and they canceled the movie. So we know Crazy. we've got a long way to go before we see Mobile Armored Strike Command on the big screen. But if that happens, it's inevitable there will be toys on Target store shelves again with that mask logo on it. And I know this in part, one, because of some of the work I do at Chikara, the wrestling company that I founded. So you may know, if you listened once before... Uh, the pro wrestling company th that I'm involved with is very comic booky, and we've certainly done our tributes to Mask. We had a, a song that was a loving homage sung by Stan Bush of Transformers fame that is the Mask theme song. Some of our events were named after episodes of Mask, like High Noon, our first pay-per-view. So there's a lot of Mask love on the Chikara side of things. Later this year, we have a video game coming out. It's going to Xbox, PlayStation, etc. And part the, of the thing we've been working on with this video game is, could we get action figures into stores? Uh, we've been met with such enormous resistance from not just the major toy manufacturers, but even boutique toy manufacturers saying, unless your video game is a runaway hit like Five Nights at Freddy's has been over the last two years, there is no way you will get one inch of shelf space in a Target or a Walmart, and that means no major distribution. Do you have an animated series in the works? Well, the answer is, I don't think I'm spoiling anything here, guys. No, Chikara doesn't have an animated series in the works. Do you have a major motion picture in the works? No, we don't. Uh, 
So no, they don't think they'll be able to get us the distribution to make a toy line a success. Mm. But this mask feature film is a major motion picture at Paramount. If this thing goes to the screen, it will have the oomph to clear shelf space at major toy retailers. And I think, you know, <sighs> 60 days before that movie, just like now, right? When you go, the Avengers Infinity War figures hit 60 days before that hits screens, right? There's going to be a new wave of mask figures and toys out there on toy shelves that run right alongside this new movie. And and hopefully, like, uh, a couple of the classic toy line stuff, too. That would be awesome if they just reproed. Like they did with the Voltron series where they yeah. had the Voltron, the classic. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, you, you, I, I've got <laughs> chills, Mike. I got chills. <laughs> well, just think about this for a second, guys, because this could go a lot of different ways. I have an opinion, but I want to hear from you two. What do you think? the version of mask that works on the big screen in 2020 looks like. Well, Obviously it'd have to be updated. So you'd have to have the updated yeah. Camaro, the updated Rhino. You might pull pieces from, from like hurricane, but I could see it being modernized. Like it's so dynamic what they could do with it. But then again, you got fast and the furious. They got that 1970 Dodge charger. They might pull that out of the, that hat out of the bag and go, Okay, we're going to keep Hurricane 57 Bel Air. We might keep, you know, Manta as as the old Nissan. There's there's little things that they might do to add that oomph for that awe to it. But then again, I can see them just kind of coming in clean sweeping and going, you know, a whole different way. They might see a Tesla truck as Rhino. You know, I I, I don't know. I, I don't know what they're going to do. I just hope that they keep some of the essence there that we we big fans can go, yep, that's Thunderhawk. I can identify that's Thunderhawk or go or or something to that liking and hope that they're gonna get the mass, the powers, the 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 cars fairly I won't say similar. Well, similar is probably the right word. Similar. They don't have to, you know, they don't have to bring out the old 86 IROC, but get the car right don't don't come out with a ford mustang like they did with knight rider <laughs> i mean i get it but no don't do that um, jason what's your take well I... <laughs> i'm on putting wow. a can of work jason will be I'm, here now yeah i i wow um reading the comments and i'm i've loved scrolling through the comments and seeing what everybody's saying everybody is is worried about the uh, the three letter word that is Bay, as in Michael Bay, and how while you know Transformers, I think is one of those properties like Fast and the Furious that does gangbusters in China. You know what is it? The second largest, or they might be the first largest uh, box office now. The uh, over there in China, but you know a lot of those were geared towards releasing over there, so everybody. Uh, around the world could uh, essentially enjoy the picture. And that's what I think a lot of fans are like, oh, you're just pulling, you're pulling out the the classic stuff. You're pulling out the G1 stuff slowly, slowly, and then yank, you know, what what is it today? But to Mike's point earlier about all the heist and what mask is in essentially a, a, a secret uh, group, a secret team, 
and how you could still use Hurricane as a 57 Chevy and still have, you know, the, the spare tire as a <laughs> as a flying uh, bomb in the back and a, a saw blade out the front. You could do all that with CGI. And in today's world, seeing that a 57 Chevy drive around, you're not going to uh, expect something like that to pop out. And I still think you can use some of those classic vehicles. And again, it's going to depend on the licensing. Hopefully GM they're, they're talking with GM now, or they still have something that they've built with transformers since, you know, we got the Bumblebee Camaro for, you know, that that's, that's been since the very first transformers. So we know that they've got some ties to GM and we can keep that. If you can just at least give me that and give me Thunderhawk as a new Camaro, I, I think it'll make the fans happy. I don't want to see just the paint schemes the same. And oh gosh, I, there's just so much going through my brain right now. The masks, <laughs> the, the the masks. You know, I'm 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 oh, I keep going to like the first GI Joe movie. The the thing that kills me about the GI Joe film franchise is the suits. They gave him those super suits and they were black and ugly and they all looked the same. You know, I, we want to see color. We want to see diversity in the masks themselves, you know, not just the characters like they were in the show, in the cartoon, but we want to see it in the, in the masks themselves. I, you know, they don't have to pull over and be big bulky, weird looking things, you know, like, it, you can just think that, think about that. Think about the cartoon and how that would translate to real life. That's probably not going to happen. So I don't want just like uh, give me goggles, you know, for a mask. Unless you, it, it's Hondo, you know, his, he was just basically goggles. Yeah. But okay, so give him the goggles. Give Matt something that kind of pulls over and looks cool out the front, you know. And if you bring on uh, Gloria or Dusty or. Whoever else you're bringing on, give them different looking mats. Don't make it all the same. Make it different. Uh, and again, it doesn't. It's not all about the paint schemes and trying to bring the new characters to the modern era. It's just making them distinctable between each other. I think is enough. And then add in the little hints of what they were thirty years ago, and there you go. So. I, I, I'm kind of pushing for. I'm not. I'm not so much worried about the Michael Bay's done with Transformers. I don't think he's going to come on. He might be like a executive producer or something. He, he's not going to have like a, a a huge role if for some reason they would bring him in, or, or he might be a consultant or something. <laughs> Who knows? But I think the worries about this, you know, being a Michael Bay franchise lookalike is out the window with this director and just with all of this other possibilities down there. You don't, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, you know, the, the huge thing that transformers had, which I don't, I don't see a way of, of tying this in the huge thing, the transformers had that, that kicked them off and made them the franchise they are today is they brought in Peter Cullen as the voice of Optimus. Mm -hmm. You know, we, as much as we want to hear Doug and hear all of those guys, you know, Doug will even admit he's Grandpa Matt Tracker now. He's not, <laughs> He doesn't have that voice. 
as much as we want to have our own favorite characters and we love the voice actors and the work that they did on the show, we're not going to have that. It's, it's the only thing that we have is really those vehicles and the way they, they transform, if I convert the way they convert, not transform. Uh, <laughs> I think that's, that's going to be what brings us fans from the eighties to now and to, to look over whatever story they're going to come up with. If it's good, great. If it's crap, I, I don't think I'm going to care what the story is going to be, but I want to see that those vehicles I think are going to be what I want to see the most and what they can do the most to bring the old franchise into now. You know, we don't have the, we don't have that Peter Cullen to, to get us, give us the goosebumps in the theater. It's going to have to be all stunt. It's all going to have to be uh, wowing us in, in that fast and furious, crazy, insane kind of way. That's what I think we got to do. <laughs> um, all right. I'll, what else? What else we got? What else we want to well, talk about? Well, <laughs> I thought about specifically as it relates to this director, guys, and, and when we might be seeing this, like I alluded to. So F. Gary Gray, you may know right now he's working on the Men in Black spinoff. And this uh-huh. goes to theaters next May, which means that the soonest he's going to be working on a new project is next summer. So I think it's realistic to think summer of 2020 provided that's his next project well let me let me stop you right there let me let me stop you right there for a second mike sorry to interrupt sure uh we did i gotta go find uh the uh the hasbro film schedule because we talked about this on the last show remember why and you you were the optimist you're always the optimist (laughs) and you said that last movie that they had scheduled i think it was 20 2020 or 2021 yeah. uh that was a mystery movie mm. this just kind of hit me so maybe the last one in that schedule that's what we need to confirm we need to get mm-hmm. uh the hollywood reporter online is that last movie on that schedule mask yeah uh and to your point mike yes you know next summer this 2019 it's probably going to be 2021 yeah the very soonest it come, could come out is the summer of 2020, and the following year is probably more likely. Um, so we've got a ways off. But if, if I was going to weigh in on what I think it's going to look like, I think there's a couple mm-hmm. things to take into consideration. What has Paramount had success with um, that is roughly of this same type? And you guys are right in that looking at Michael Bay's Transformers probably gives us a little indicator of what is the visual style going to be, especially as it relates to the special effects. The way those robots transform, that type of you know, CGI is probably very akin to what's going to be used to make the vehicles convert. So I think you're going to mm-hmm. see some fingerprints from that because it's the same studio, right? This is something Hasbro and Paramount are developing jointly. So I think you're likely to see that. And they've also got a very clear vision for like what they want their properties to look like. Now, we've seen it with Transformers and we've seen it with G.I. Joe. Now, I don't know where you guys come in. But I haven't cared for either of those movie franchises lately. Um, I don't know if either of you happen to be big fans, but my guess is you're not. No, no. I, moderate, I would say, moderate interest. And what about I haven't you, even Wyatt? seen The Last Night. I haven't even seen The Last Transformers. I, I have stopped at the third Transformers, and I was disappointed <laughs> after two. Um, the, I haven't even... St- 
glimpsed at G.I. Joe movies. I was, when I saw the first uh, trailer of it, like Jason identified, they're all wearing the same uniform. I'm like, where's where's the twins? Where's, you know, Duke? Yeah. Where in his Hollywood shirt or his Hawaii shirt? I realized they're, they're having to do it their own way, and I, I tried to give it a fairness, but when it looked like nothing more than a Secret Service or CIA dispatch, I'm like, this is not the G.I. Joe I, well, I remember. And then yeah. hearing it from Jason, hearing it from my fellow, fellow agents, Bill and Eric, I'm sitting there going, I don't even want to waste my time at the DVD, $5 DVD bin. It, it <laughs> wow. sounds like just horrible crap. I usually give it a fair shot, but after hearing it, I'm, I'm not the big G.I. Joe fan. Uh, my mom got me toys back in the day, and I play with them, but G.I. Joe was not on the menu. Give me mask or Transformers far more any day of the week than G.I. Joe. That's how I was. So I'm not, to me, I'm not missing anything. If I don't see Cobra, it doesn't, does not going to hurt me much, except that I know it's Starscream in disguise. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have a, a particular formula, don't they? You know, they're, they're going to get somebody with some box office clout, whether it was Vin Diesel or Dwayne The Rock Johnson on the G.I. Joe side, right? There's going to be a powerful leading man, most likely. And they've never been shy about stocking these kind of movies up, including The Fast and the Furious with like hot female actresses. And then they're going to kind of pull it through that modernization lens. If you look at the original classic Optimus Prime, the original Megatron, the original Bumblebee, and then you look at the version that we have right now on the big screen, you can kind of see what connects them. They're very different, right? Like Optimus from G1 is not the Optimus that we see in Michael Bay's movies, and yet they are kind of distant cousins. And I think you're going to get a version of Mask that is roughly that. It will feel like a distant cousin to the thing we know from the 80s, and it's just going to be splashed with a little bit of extra Fast and Furious. And that's what I think we're going to end up with come summer of 2021. Probably. Yeah. That's good. And just for uh, reference, yes, the untitled movie that was in their schedule was for October of 2021. Okay. It was G.I. Joe, March 2020, Micronauts, October 2020, Dungeons & Dragons, July 2021, and then they're, they're untitled in October of 2021. So I think that makes perfect sense. Like I was joking yeah. with Jason... And I mean this respectfully, there's no one in Hasbro's licensing department that knows who Bruce Sato is. Right? <laughs> like probably You're they're, right. a, they're a giant corporation and there's a bunch of people probably working in that licensing office that weren't even alive when mask was on the air, you know, very like, true. Like maybe they know who Matt tracker is. Maybe they don't even know that. I don't doubt a bunch of studio executives sat down and said, Oh, you have a movie called mask. Let's put that out at Halloween. And it's October 2021. And I bet you there was not a whole lot more thought behind it than that. Right. I, I don't, yeah, I don't doubt you whatsoever. <laughs> and Jason beat me to the point <laughs> trying to find the schedule earlier. Well, it, you know, you think about the summer blockbuster time frame, and they've kind of backed that up now. You know, you've got uh, the Infinity War coming out. What is it next week mm-hmm. or t- in two weeks into the month? So in April, yeah. they're they're kind of pre Memorial day or pre may now with the blockbusters. And then they're kind of releasing, you know, like, um, uh, Deadpool was, I think a February release. You're correct. Yes. Uh, 
Okay, so see how they're they're kind of taking their their chances early on away from all the blockbusters in the summer. So I like this. If if this is truly when they're targeting for Mash to be released in October, I like it because there there will be nothing else out there but a horror movie, which will essentially won't be butting heads against it at all. You know, you won't have any other hopefully other superhero or. Uh, any, any kind of thing similar in October. So, I, man, I, I don't know. I, I think this is it. I, I think I, I, that's going to be the thing I'm going to try to confirm for, the, you know, the near future. But uh, I, I like that plan and not trying to put it on the, the, the pedestal for a summer blockbuster. You know, give it give it the budget that it needs to get to yes. get there. Too, because that's another thing I'm worried about, Mike and, and Wyatt, is uh, they they kind of overcook it, and then it doesn't, it, it, you know, kind of gets back to where the you know the money where the budget is, and that's about it. But you still see like think of like uh, Pacific Rim, you know, by all means, I, I'm pretty sure that was a, a bomb or a, a level with the box office goes, and here you know you throw. Uh, you throw Finn in there, whose you know stock is huge right now, John Boyega, and here we go, Pacific Rim two, and there's a lot. I think there's a lot of underground kind of movement behind that as well, as far as the fan base goes. But I like I like this position, and I like that they're going to release it hopefully in those one of those off periods, and they won't overcook the budget. Keep it. Keep the effects as practical as you can, but then throw in. It's basically like you said. It's like Transformers. You can tell when you watch the movies. Okay, it's just a. There's a lot of lead up with the vehicles, and then you get one of them like popping out and transforming. You know, it's it's not it, unless it's like the finale or, or you know a huge scene in the movie. You're not getting a lot. You're getting a lot of more of the natural effects with the cars mm-hmm. and, and camera movements and you're getting one or two little things. Well, and you think about, um, shoot, which, uh, I think it was dark of the moon, dark of the moon transformers. That was, I think number three, they had, um, they had the NASCAR vehicles that had those guns that popped out. You remember that? Mm-hmm. That's the hardest thing I ever saw. <laughs> I'm actually going to go back. I I think I have that on DVD. Actually, I'm going to go back and watch that part of Transformers, uh, or maybe just go jump over to YouTube and check it out. But um, that's doable, and they they built those cars with the guns out essentially, uh, and we're driving around in them, so it wasn't CGI. And that's kind of what Mask is. Now, there's a couple of vehicles you're going to. Uh, you know, there's just no way around it. They're going to have to be CGI. Right. But you can still get away with some of those little weapons and stuff popping out of the vehicle. Uh, even even Hurricane, if you get that huge cannon out the windshield. Right. Uh, oh, I'm getting goosebumps again. Well, Jason, uh, you made me think of something, and I'm curious to hear your reaction to this. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. So, you know, Mask takes a hard left turn in its final 10 episodes as a cartoon. Right. Right. They try to strip out a lot of the conflict uh, because, you know, for, it's my personal belief. They wanted less on screen violence, especially because it was a popular property in Europe where the regulations about what could be aired to children were different. 
What if we find out a year from now that the version of Mask this movie is going to be based on is the racing version of Mask? Because ultimately, right, the Fast and the Furious is about street racing. True. If you find out that they're going to be ignoring all that early idea stuff, and it's going to only be roughly based on the final 10 episodes of the cartoon, how does that change how you feel about this movie? Well, you... I don't know. As, as far as the the heist angle or... I mean, you still got the transforming... You know, I keep going to transforming. You, you still get the cars that convert. Um, you, you know, if you think about Goliath and Matt's IndyCar... And it's still a flying car. Uh, you lose Venom, basically, right? In the racing series. You well, they there's Venom there, but it's more of a uh it's more of a cannonball run. Right. They're just rivals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. They're rivals. It's there's no uh there's no kind of good versus evil uh in the sense that you have this uh, terrorist group versus these secret police essentially so you you lose that so i don't know i don't know how unless you keep the heist angle and just you have these guys that are 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 race car drivers and on the side they pull missions for you know the government or something um that that could probably still work it i'm telling you if it's the racing or if it's the original, if it's something brand new, it's it's got to be driven literally by those those transforming vehicles. And those need to be the stars like back in the day. We've took Wyatt and I've talked about this forever on several different shows. Yes. How how that felt and how the the the, the Fast and the Furious franchise feels is the cars are the stars or at least they are level with even like the rock and Vin diesel. Cause you know what cars they drive. Like you said, why the charger, the, uh, the, the, the triple X movie that Vin diesel did. Yep. It was all about that car. That spy car that he had was just insane. So as far as what I'm, I'm concerned, as far as the racing series goes, as long as you, as long as you keep the cars up there and you're not, you're not trying to essentially story build the thing, you know, fast and furious is not about story building. We could really care about who dies and who turned to the FBI this time and who, you know, it's, it's just all about those insane stunts and cars that they have throughout the movie. So I think you just got to keep that. And I don't think the story is going to be, it can't be the driving force behind the movie, you know, anyway, that's me. Wyatt, over to you. <laughs> well, racing series. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen the racing series. So like Jason described, it's it's about what I remember, which is more like a cannibal run versus uh, good versus evil like we mm-hmm. have right now. I don't know that I would be disappointed as more as taken, kind of just more taken aback that that's the angle they want to go with. I can see them doing it, if they're looking for the, the the racing side of it. But I would hope that, that Gary Gray would just at least do some homework before jumping into whatever script gets thrown in front of him. 
before he says, yes, I'll do it or no, this is the way I want to go. I, I just hope that he would not necessarily watch all 75 episodes, but at least, you know, get a good gauge of what is going on in the cartoon. Maybe go back to this, the, the older comic books to kind of see what's going on in this mask realm before he just signs on and say, yeah, I'll take $3 billion to direct this movie and I don't <laughs> care what the script looks like. I, I just hope see, he does I, a home. I, I don't see that as, I don't see this as a cash grab. And uh, yes, we need to petition for like four or five uh, consulting spots <laughs> on the set. <laughs> Yes, and say uh, no. This isn't going. This is not going to work. I'm sorry, <laughs> but well, I, 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 I don't know. I thought about that when I heard the it hit the news too, and after it was starting to sink in, I was like, okay, well, I wonder if if he how much research he's done, and if they're, but he's a director though, so they're they're looking for his style, his direction with the script. So I don't think it it necessarily bears on him uh, the research. So we we got to find the producer. <laughs> we got to find who's going to produce this thing. Uh, we got to figure out who they're going to going to write it if they've already got people working on that or whatever, and just blitz them with this is what mask is, and give us a little bit of it in your movie, please. Right. <laughs> well, hopefully we do end up seeing this movie by F. Gary Gray. I, I can't help but think about what happened with Edgar Wright on Ant-Man. Because of the interference from Marvel as a studio, he walked off the project and he was replaced. Um, that was a guy who would have brought a really unique vision to the piece. And I think F. Gary Gray is the exact right guy to direct this movie. But if there's interference from Hasbro or Paramount and he gets fed up, who knows by the time this thing makes it to the screen? Will he even be the director? You know, we don't know. At this point, we don't know if they have a writer attached. Have they been developing a script that we don't know about? That's certainly possible. All these things are unknown right now. But my hope is we do get to see a version of this by F. Gary Gray. And to me, I don't know how you feel about it, but there's a couple things that make Mask Mask. And one that's always been very important to me is the ritual of Mask. And here's what I mean by that. This ritual exists in virtually every episode of the original 65. There is a problem. Agents are selected. They go through a process. The computer does what it does, right? It's got some algorithm. And it says, this guy's got this skill set. And this girl's got this skill set. And a signal is sent. And they assemble. They come together, they charge up their things, they roar out of Boulder Hill in those vehicles, and you see what that team is going to look like for this particular mission. And there was a ritual to that. And you could count on that in virtually every episode, that that ritual was going to be part of the fun of Mask. You came to expect it. It's as, in its own way, it is the same type of ritual that you get when you hear the sound that Transformers make as they change shape, right? Yeah. Uh, it is unmistakably Transformers, that sound. And that process of these are the agents selected for this mission are part of the mask ritual. So do I think we're going to see that exactly? No, but I want some part of that ritual that made mask mask to survive. And, you know, they'd be crazy not to use the very best cartoon theme song of all time. <laughs> updated a bit for 2021. <laughs> I've seen already people uh, 
tweeting out there, pick me, pick me for the theme, you know, cover. And I, that's another thing too. Gosh, I mean, even if it's at the end credits, just sitting through, if I can get through this movie and be totally, uh, you know, like six inches above my seat floating and listening to the uh, a cover version of the original theme, rolling through the credits, I would be, you know, that would be top of the heap, you know, of what I would want. Because uh, that's, gosh, that would just be one small thing that they could do without any interference to what they, where they want to go with the story, with, you know, the, the franchise. That's one little thing they could do to give a little wink to the fans. It's, it's not, it's not a big deal to give us a, a, an awesome rock synth cover, whatever of the theme song on the end credits, you know, and Do you uh, have a favorite cover version of the theme song. Uh, well, it's gotta be the one that we use for our intro to the regular mass cast shows. I think it's by uh video micro. Mm-hmm. Um, great version. There's another guy. Oh, it's going to kill me. Um, he does the split screen and he does all of the, I think he does all of the parts and mm-hmm. he's, he's released a version out there. Very rock, very just metal. It's mm-hmm. awesome. So there, yeah, there's a couple, couple out there that I really like. And I really think even if you take one of those guys, pull the, pull it off of YouTube and just stick it into the end credits, you know, or something like that. Oh gosh, that would just do so much. I think for the fan and, and just a little, Fan service, you know. The guy that you're thinking of, his his label on YouTube is Bad Arts Lab. That's it. That's it. So yeah. So I, you know, that's a that's a great thing to bring up. That theme uh, would would just do so much to bring us '80s dweebs mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, into the theater a second time or whatever, just just to get us to come along. Uh, for the ride and and enjoy it for what it is, but give us that little wink of yes, we remember you guys. We remember the theme and how cool it was. You know, even gosh, I've been I've been emailing uh, Mr. Uh, Saban, Mr. Levy, forever to give us the soundtrack. You know, they've released so many soundtracks of of eighties cartoons. He Man got a soundtrack release. You know, just uh, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me the soundtrack. <laughs> Uh, you know, he did so it. many of the very best theme songs, oh, right? Yeah. He's behind Inspector Gadget and a bunch of other ones. But I think he really made his fortune, you know, on bringing Power Rangers to the U.S. market. And something tells me getting a release of that uh, is probably not on his priority list. I'm okay. curious, have you guys ever heard the cover of the theme song by the Australian band Toe Hider? Mm, I don't no. think so. So <laughs> I, I happen to know the lead singer. Uh, and oh, it's available okay. in iTunes. Uh, it's on their EP called Children of the Sun, where they cover 80s cartoon theme songs. But it is amazing. If you've okay. never heard it, do yourself a favor. They released it back in 2009. Check out the mask theme by Australian band Toe Hider. Toe Hider. Okay. Um, that's, uh, as soon as we uh, hang up, I'm going to go find that. Uh, but something came to mind, too, that I, I, th- I want to throw out to you, Mike. Going through the the story, I, I think I pulled it down now. Uh, but they talked about um, oh, where was that line? Let me let me find it real quick. Okay, so they 
Uh, Gray will move quickly to set a writer to hatch a contemporary subculture movie with a youth empowerment angle. And somebody commented, think over on Facebook, try to scroll and find it. But essentially it, it was, okay, I hope they don't do Power Rangers to this movie. Hmm. I hope it doesn't get Power Rangered, I think is what he said. Um, where do you where do you think that little tidbit is going with that, Mike, as far as the youth movement? Because that to me sounds like Brandon Easton's version in the comic. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I don't know if I, w- I would go that far for Fast and the Furious. I mean, definitely on the, you know, the first couple of movies, they're young mm-hmm. and, and maybe that's what they're meaning by it. But what do you think about that? Well, I think it's very likely this film is going to be an origin film. It's going to have a young cast because the Fast and the Furious as a franchise has kind of, they've Friday the 13th this, right? There's been so many sequels to the Fast and the Furious, and yet they know that sort of formula is really appealing to the global market. They're going to put together a really handsome and beautiful cast of actors and actresses and fast car action with stunt work and that sort of thing, and it's going to sell on a global basis. And if they want that to have the longevity of a Fast and Furious franchise, they're going to cast young people. You're going to see people the age of Ray and Finn and Kylo Ren in the Star Wars franchise because these are going to be the stars that will carry it for the next 10 years. I think you're going to see a cast that's much, much younger filling in you know, the masks and the uniforms and piloting these vehicles. Yeah. Why you want to chime in on that as far as youth empowerment? Well, I haven't thought too much of it. I, 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 I was wondering if they were going to get like in their early twenties, though. If that said, then a lot of people's dreams come true. They don't have Scott or T. Bob annoying them. <laughs> um, I think that's not going to happen anyway. But <laughs> I don't think it will. But still, if they want to do that edge, maybe there are, uh, like Mike said, they're in the the early stages where we learn that maybe if there's a sequel, this is, this is where uh, in the sequel or during the trip of the first origin story, how Matt somehow finds out he has a, a son uh, uh, and here comes Scott for sequel two. I, I I'm, I'm spitball. I have no idea where they're going with this. I'm hoping it's not, I did not think about the, uh, the uh, power ranger angle. I hope it isn't a bunch of teenagers. I mean, yeah it's just ridiculous if they think that that young but i'm hoping they would keep it in their 20s at least adults uh trying to be the 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 secret service or the cia that special ops team that that mask is really known to be yeah and i'm i'm kind of torn about this because obviously the uh the the Matt as the the billionaire the the entrepreneur I I don't I just don't think it's going to happen and if, if you think about mayhem too I I don't know it, I don't always see them as contemporaries of each other I always see mayhem as a little bit older and he's more of the you know the the mastermind behind venom and and pushing them forward and he gets all the young bucks to do his dirty work right you know vanessa and sly so i I don't know if that works either i'm and again i'm just kind of throwing this out here but 
the way we wrote our script too is Matt and Mayhem are more contemporaries and they're about the same age. They have the same kind of skill set, you know, and then there's a split. So, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to plan on uh, in, a, in an origin story trying to build both mask and venom or if you know venom are the bad guys in the first movie and they go tackle somebody else in the next movie right you know it's it's uh it's gonna be interesting on how they how they do that if if they're gonna truly be good versus evil from the start or if they kind of combine their stories together at the beginning which means you know all of the the venom characters if they do keep them uh, like a combined origin would have to be about the same age. And right. If you're going to have a, a, a film franchise, which is what the headline <laughs> reads, they, you got to have somebody that's in their twenties and being able to take it to that next sequel and that next sequel and that next sequel. So that's just the reality of, Starting a movie franchise. <laughs> right. It's also the reality the of, of movies in 2018. Right. right. They they are not making standalone movies anymore. Even as an example, as ridiculous as this sounds to the three of us, do you remember when they made a battleship movie about five years ago based on the Hasbro yeah. board game Battleship? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, they expected that to launch a trilogy of battleship films that there were going to be three major motion pictures based on that board game uh they want a franchise they want something to support a sequel and another sequel and another sequel they want something to replace the fast and the furious on their schedule uh now that thing has kind of you know gone the distance and i think that is exactly why mask is getting picked up I really believe it is 100% independent of whatever was going on at IDW Publishing. I think it will not resemble Brandon Easton's incarnation whatsoever. It's going to be yet another reimagining, just like we've kind of been discussing. You're going to see a lot of the fingerprints of the Transformers and G.I. Joe recent movies when it comes to special effects. You're going to see a much younger cast that are expected to carry it for the next 10 years. And it's going to have that. Just hearing you say, from that press release, urban and youth empowerment, I think about specifically the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. I think that's what it's going to be. And if it started as two rival street racing teams that escalates by the second movie to a good versus evil story, you can already kind of write how that trilogy is going to go. Right. Yeah, that's easy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like I said, uh, back in January, Mask is an easy film to write. If you let the let what it is do its work and kind of you can fill in the gaps as you go almost. And it, sometimes it kind of felt like that, even in the going back to the cartoon. But you, you got to drop in, you know, the, the vehicles transforming here and here to get the, the, the people that just bought them on the shelves. There's I just bought that. Yeah, that's mine. You know, so you, obviously th that stuff has got to be dropped in. But. I, I don't know. I, I like that idea of uh, just go with go with what people know. And I don't, Mike. Do you know or why it even? I, you're a little more out of out of the loop on uh, you know on like current movies and stuff. And it's not your fault. I'm not trying to 
pull you down, but do they have uh, Fast and Furious movies planned moving forward? As far as I know, there are none that are currently in production. Okay. And, so, you know, like a lot of these right now, you know, Harry Potter is another one where they let it die for a bit and then J.K. Rowling just couldn't leave it well enough alone. There's such demand, not only for that as a book franchise, but what that represents across all of media, they pressured her into bringing it back. I wouldn't be surprised if, if for whatever reason, Mask flops on the flip side of that, they crank out another Fast and the Furious. But I don't doubt this is meant to take its place. Well, and that's kind of my point is, okay, so they don't have anything on the books for Fast and the Furious and you're getting the Fast and Furious director, the, the one of the, you know, that did the last sequel to do a movie with car stunts, basically. Um, that's got to be a, a huge pull and ha- have huge weight on how the movie's going to be made to get those Fast and Furious people in the theaters, you know. That that's just it's 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 obvious again looking at the director, but with nothing else planned, it's got to move in that direction, and Hasbro's got to be thinking that to kind of put their their money down on Mask becoming a film franchise and giving giving those Fast and Furious people something to watch in the meantime, you know. Well, I just found a little bit of information about that as you were speaking. Okay. The Fast and the Furious franchise will conclude in April of 2021. Okay. So if our timeline holds up, they they get their final movie in April, and we get our mask film in October. Mm-hmm. Six months later, there it comes. That, that can't be a coincidence. No. Um, yeah. yeah. If this goes as well as it could possibly go, Like, let's say that Mask, like, we were all taken by surprise by Guardians of the Galaxy. Here's a C-list Marvel property that suddenly becomes the biggest movie of the year. If Mask defies all the odds and becomes a runaway sensation, what's the thing you most want to see happen next? Mm. That's a good one. A new animated series? I've been... Back in January, when Wyatt and I were talking about this, that's what I would put my have put my money on. We would get next in the Mask uh, universe would be an animated series, just because Hasbro's you know bought this studio in Ireland. You got to keep him busy. You got this franchise over here. It it doesn't cost a lot to get ten episodes up on Netflix compared to doing a you know a film. So I guess, I mean, gosh, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you can necessarily go that angle if you're really successful, you know what I mean? So if you, if mask does gangbusters and everybody in the fast and furious realm sees it, loves it and can't wait for the next one, you know, they're going to be going right back for more films. I think I, I really don't see them. Why waste your time? <laughs> on an animated series. So if it's, if it's in that realm of, well, okay, it it did, it did pretty well. We made our money backs. You know, the, the international was good enough that we're not losing our, you know, pants on this. And, uh, we made some money on the toy sales. Uh, okay, well let's, let's try animation. You know, that's, that's where I kind of see it going depending on how it does at the box office. Uh, why, what's your take? I'd love to see it 
on the small screen. I'd like to see it uh, another uh, animated series, but I guess I'm hesitant in that. Most recently, I got spoiled by this. You get the voice actors or the crew, you get the same people on the movie. And you get what seems to be a whole other bag of people doing the animation. And you get the disconnect when, for instance, I'm going to use their names just because they're the current ones that we know. Like if you get Doug and Sharon doing the voices on the movie, right? I'm I'm sure it's going to be live action, but just just for the sake of argument, we get the animated series. It's not Doug and Sharon. It's new guy, new girl, new Bernard McCain. It's new people voicing, dubbing the original series. And I would be so more disappointed that they'd pull that stunt off. Mm -hmm. Uh, Granted, it is a live action, so that will be a whole other story. But I'd be afraid that if if they go the animated route and then they disconnect it and get a whole other voice crew in there, I would be so ripped off, feel ripped off at, at, that they did that. But because see, got Peter Cullen, that's the anchor for Optimus Prime. No, where, no matter in these almost 40 years of voicing Optimus Prime and Ironhide, he's still doing that same voice. Now they've had spinoffs. And they use another deeper voice for those spinoff Optimus-like guys. Right. But when it comes to Optimus Prime, it's going to be Peter Cullen, and he's going to own that. And you don't get that disconnect. And that's what I'm I'm afraid will happen if they go that route. Now, if they do live action and then cartoon, yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm all for that. I'm 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 anxious to see what they do with it. Well, I'm again, I'm I'm. I'm not necessarily on your page with that because I, if they do want to go animation after doing a successful film, it's it's going to be all about selling more toys and getting right, the kids right. involved. So I guess I will say this, Mike: if the film does gangbusters, I think IDW is going to give you a call for your comic. <laughs> book Probably pitch. will because the the Pandora's box is open at that point and the license is finally worth something again to Hasbro because everybody's going to want to get in on it. So right. the, that, that's going to open the door for a classic comic. Uh, something like you were talking about picking up where we left off with the animated series. And we might get something kind of like what Brandon Easton did, but more film mm-hmm. world into it. So I can see that just opening up everything and you know, we'll, we'll get the, we'll get some more classic toys on the shelves. And so I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, poo poo (laughs) mass doing huge at the box office. And I'm trying to curb my enthusiasm obviously too, but uh, it it is a good thing because again, it's going to see mask across the board back. And and I think the the fans will, whether they like the movies or not, we're going to get something, you know, in the comics too, and possibly animation. So I do think it's likely, you know, the Transformers as a movie franchise really helped bring Transformers back as a viable animated property. We saw it come back as Transformers Prime. We've seen robots in disguise. It's yielded some excellent animation. Mm-hmm. Rescue and, you know, bots. 
Right. You do. And sometimes you do hear Cullen and Welker back doing their trademark voices. I don't think it's out of the question. I think you're right in that it's very likely that we'll see the comic book license activated again, probably looking more similar to the movies. Maybe there's a chance for the classic title. I don't know who would write it if they did. But I also think an interesting possibility here is Mask as a very modern video game, realized in the sense of like the Batman Arkham Asylum series has been um, or Halo. That's a really fascinating concept. The mask video game that existed way back in the day was atrocious. Uh, <laughs> you could you could even make the argument that it really wasn't mask at all. It just got skinned mask, even though it was meant to be another video game. We've never seen anything like that. We've seen cool toys before. We all played with them. Like we saw a pretty great animated series. We grew up with it, but we've never seen a really great mask video game. And that excites me. That that's a very good point. Yeah, the old mask game was like uh, Oregon Trail with cars. You know, <laughs> it was it, and I've never I've never actually sat through and played it. I've I've watched the little walkthroughs, you know, like on YouTube, and I'm like, oh, wow, okay. Um, but that that's a gr- that's a great idea and point. Um, you, you think mm-hmm. about Halo. You think about the way that they you go through the game or, or the campaign version and you have missions in the warthog in the vehicles, you know, doing stuff. Then you get the little missions with just the team, you know, whether it's first person or whatever, that's, that's really not relevant, but you could do so much with that and have some uh, essentially parts of the video game where you just control the characters with the masks and their special abilities to get through, you know, that part of the game. And then you jump in the Thunderhawk and you jump in Condor and you have a mission with, I mean, Oh gosh, ah, (laughs) Uh, uh, man, you just opened up another part of my brain. That's going crazy, man. Oh my gosh. I'm still thinking Uh, we got to find a way into maybe find them on Twitter and just say, Hey, we got something. Can you at least entertain our, our Well, I, I never say never. Right. Uh, Mike is never saying never with his uh, idea. So who knows? Who knows what can happen between now and, and when they actually start, you know, pulling uh, this film together. Uh, and uh, again, you know, it's going to be at least until next summer before this guy's free. And uh, who, who knows who they're going to call? Uh, I'll, I'll give you my cell phone number off the air if you if you're listening now, and yeah, really? uh, I've got four or five of my uh, my my mask buddies here that I would love to uh, take a trip to <laughs> California with. Um, but all that aside, there's just so much that mask has never been into. I've been crying for years to open up the license into some of these other toy companies. And stuff, and I I know Hasbro's kind of oh, silly with that. They've 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 given Funko some stuff, but you know, just letting Mask go into other possibilities like that, not just not just because those you know the 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 pop vinyls are so popular right now, but gosh, see, I, I thought about this the other day too. Okay, what size are the Mask? figures going to be are we going to get six inch are we going to get you know the what are we going to get 
it, it, right. it's, it's not going to be what it was. It's not going to be the smaller figures. It's going to have to be into one of those lines. Can we, are we going to get like a three and three quarters with the vehicle? And we're also going to get six inch, you know, I, gosh, have what you are they going to do? The, um, the Netflix series, the toys that made us. Yes. Yes. So uh, I thought that was a fascinating I, I, look, especially at what was going on at Kenner at the time. And it's clear one of the reasons why the mask figures were the way they were was because of scale. They had to be able to fit them inside of the vehicles. Right. If they go with a much larger figure, then the vehicles will have to scale up as well. And that might mean like we see mask in a way we've never, ever seen it before. Yeah. And, and I don't think, well, I don't know. Star Wars is just above everything else right now. And they have the six inch figure in vehicle you know, combos and their new, the newest to, uh, toys that they've released. So I don't, I, I doubt that they would go there first, but it's going to have a, have to have a figure and a vehicle together. And, you know, what cooler way to do that is to do it in, in different, you know, different sizes. Uh, and that's, that's all new territory, all new territory for masks and mm-hmm. what they do. Um, I just, uh, man, I could talk about this for, for days. Uh, <laughs> it's just got me so energized. I know, you know, and it's again, coming off of what we heard in December and January. And, you know, now if they let us down, I'm I'm done. I'll just close up the site. Okay. If they, if they call off this movie, I'm done. Okay. Do not give me, you know, what you're giving me now on this all time high and then just pull the rug out from under me. You know, I will go, I don't know what I'll do, but uh, <laughs> that's when we'll anyway, start our spinoff podcast, Wyatt. I think so. <laughs> right. right. But anyway, being so low for you know, even these last few months, and then just to go through the ceiling. Oh, gosh, it's, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. And I know you guys, are, are kind of feeling the same way. And we've got several of our friends in the community who knows what mask is and the lull it's been through. And now finally, this seems like the breakthrough that we've been waiting for, for years, nothing against IDW, Brandon Easton, any of that, but it, you know, th- there had to be a time when Hasbro was going to do something with their property that they've been holding on to for so long. Because they just, it's just been so silent, and the the potential has always been there, and that's what kind of that little sentence that they threw into the announcement. Where um, let me pull it up here real quick. Gray also, this is quoting now, sparked to mask because it is a vintage property that could be revamped and have something to say to a contemporary audience. So it's telling me that he. He did his homework at least enough to see what what was there and and how it could translate and be revamped. So th- that's what energizes me the most. It the the way the story came out is Gray is the one that said, that saw the potential. And whether somebody at Hasbro directed him into that or if if it was on his own that would've been Super, but I I would love to know who it, what initiated what, 
you know, right. did, has, did it all come from Hasbro and say, okay, we, if we're going to do this, we get Gray to come on board and we got to pitch him. We got to show him what's going on. I, you know, I don't know the guy. So, and he's not on social media. I don't think, cause I've been trying to no, find he's him. He's not on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I, I want to know how, how much, how old is he? He is, is he 48. Okay, so, so he would have been 15 or 16 years old when Mask okay. first came on the air, which is a little older than the cartoon skewed, right? That is not yeah. the demographic. No, um, no, he is a little bit older, but he's old enough to have been around during that time, which helps my <laughs> my position that he sees the potential there uh, as as we have for years and years and years and years. Well, I think right. timing so. has a lot to do with this, guys. And by that, I mean, look at you know what the rough age of the three of us are. Um, this is going to be marketed not only to capture the 80s nostalgia that we all have for the property, but if they're saying they're going to market it toward younger people, it's because they're going to want us to take our kids. It's the same sort of phenomenon Marvel's seeing at the box office. We grew up with those characters, but kids also want to go and see the movies. Right. Uh, but there is a window of time for that nostalgia. If they waited another five, 10 years, the window will close, right? Yeah. Because we won't be taking our kids. Our kids will be in college. Our kids will have moved out. They have to strike now. And I think right. this started realistically two and a half years ago when they agreed finally to license Mask Out. And they did to IDW. And they said, impress us. Reinvent this. Let's see what it is. It did not prove viable as a comic book entity for whatever reason. Um, but they haven't given up on it, which is great because I really felt like these last few months have been like the darkest time. We <laughs> saw Mask come back. We saw it fail as a commercial venture in comic books. And it really seemed like, to me especially, this is not going to get a second chance. They, they did reboot it and it didn't work and it's going to be abandoned. But I think they found the exact right director and their marketing scheme is sound. They need yeah. something to replace the Fast and the Furious as it leaves the docket in 2021. And they want it to appeal to guys our age and the kids that we're raising too. Right. Well, that's, I, I think we should end the show on this, on that point. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're running long. I know we're running longer than I, I thought we were going to go, but that is, that's right on point, Mike. Right and on. That we've got the kids, my kids, I, I'm sure they thought I was the, hugest mega dork yesterday when I went up running up to them mask is going to get a live action movie. And they're like, Oh, okay, dad. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> really. they, know, they know what it is obviously. Cause I've, I'm the nut that I am. Uh, but yeah, you know, my oldest, he's got four or five more years before he's out into college. Why you're, yeah, I think you're uh, off the average cause you've got really young ones. Yeah, uh, started late in the game. Right. But, Mike, that's perfect because, you know, here we are. We've got the – most of us got teenagers or, or close to the – getting into the teenager range, still old enough to where they could go and enjoy a movie like this because you know it's going to be PG-13. Mm -hmm. uh, and they – you know, we're going to be dragging them because we know it, and they're going to go because they know Fast and Furious – Basically, so it, you know, the connection is there, but that's a great point. They, they gotta, they gotta do it while our kids are still in the house. <laughs> and, and gosh, who knows? Yeah, uh, maybe they do pull a miracle out and, and get it released sooner. But I, 
I, I think where it's laying now, where we believe it's going to hit, is going to be perfect. And they got, like you said, they got the perfect director. And if they if they follow, do their homework, and everything falls into place like it should, then uh, I, I I think they're at least going to make their money back. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, gosh, I, I'm just so so on top of the world right now. Well, but we've only got anyway, three years to wait. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> three. I've been speculating on this show for six now, Wyatt. Right? We started in February 2012. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I can speculate three more, baby. We we still got a uh, what 24, 24 episodes to review left to go. There, so uh, yeah, we'll 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 uh, we'll get to the end right as the uh, the movie comes out that was our plan from the beginning you know yeah that should be our goal (laughs) well mike i appreciate your time man uh and again i know we could talk about hours and hours worth of mass universe and speculation all we want but uh uh we know you got the heart and the passion as much as we do and uh we really appreciate your time coming on with us and uh i'll I'll say a quick apology to our fans i told them we might be going through some comments and we kind of did a little bit but uh with Mike being on and, and agreeing to come on tonight, uh, we just uh, I wanted to give him the floor. So we appreciate your time, man. Well, Jason White, thanks so much, guys. It's always a pleasure getting to talk with real mask fans about the thing that we all love. Let's do it again sometime soon, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. The, the next announcement will be uh, we'll be hitting you up <laughs> <laughs> when we see that first Thunderhawk image or yeah, when we hear uh, I don't know. Who's who's the hot actor now uh, <laughs> to bring in? <laughs> well, I don't know. See, I was trying to think about that today too. You know, they might try to keep. Uh, you know, if they're going really young like they have been, we might be uh, away from the Chris Pines and the Aaron Eckhart's and um, whoever else you want to throw out there as as Matt Tracker. I, I don't know. Anyway, I'll, I'll listen to the show. <laughs> we, we, we got we got time. We got time to talk. That's once, true. Uh, once those announcements come out, so uh, Mike, thanks for coming on. Thanks, uh, thanks for your opinions and input, man. Great stuff. And uh, best of luck with uh, Chikara, all that stuff. And uh, we'll, we'll we'll keep retweeting you if you are going after uh, IDW for that pitch. We'll keep we'll keep you oh, yeah. uh, as, as much as we can. <laughs> Right with on. our with our followers, but uh, yeah. thank you guys. Appreciate your time. Mm-hmm. All right, why you want to take us out of here? Yeah, it's been an awesome, very awesome, and uh, quite a pleasure to have Mike once again on our podcast, uh, Masscast. And thanks again, fans. We we will try to do our best to keep you updated. We look forward to a mask movie, whatever that might look like. Uh, but until then, thanks for joining and watching us here on Masscast Chat. Yeah.